Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Superchargers, headlights, and more with over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is the Sports Illustrated Boxing Podcast. It's boxing. A look inside boxing with Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix. Interviews, analysis, and everything going on in boxing. And now a man who I wish was called the Boston Bleeder. All doctors to the ER. It's sort of like getting punched in the face. Chris Chris Mannix. All right, so it has been 15 years since the first season of The Contender, a groundbreaking reality TV series that featured 16 up-and-coming fighters whose lives and careers were chronicled uh, all the time. The finalist of season one of The Contender was Sergio Mora, who you know from here in the zone, and the pride of Providence, Peter Manfredo, and both of them have joined me here on the podcast. Fellas, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Peter, does it, up, does it feel like 15 years? Um, no. Time flies, you know. Uh, my daughter was two on the show. Now she's 18, uh, graduating high school. So it, it's unbelievable. Time just goes by. It just shows you how precious time is, you know. And, uh, you know, and Sergio looks great. Uh, and so don't you, Chris. So it's all, it's all good. <laughs> I didn't get punched in the face for the last 15 years, though, Peter. So it's, I mean, for Sergio, it's a bigger compliment. He was punched in the face a lot, yeah, especially by Daniel Jacobs. That's why they call him the snake, because it was hard to hit him. You know, he moved so well, and he was elusive. Me, I got mad when they missed, if, if you could tell. <laughs> I got mad when they missed. <laughs> no, man, 15, 15 years, it doesn't feel like that, man. I did an interview uh earlier uh, with the athletic and he's like how long has it been i go 15 years what 15 years and then they start thinking about it like you were in college right chris you said you had just graduated college you know me and peter were from the school of hard knocks trying to get by and 15 years flies actually before you jumped on this call peter's daughter was two years old when we were on the show now i have a two-year-old and uh peter's daughter is graduating high school today it's crazy man yeah it's crazy yeah. how fast Life can uh, life can go. So I want to kind of start at the beginning with you guys and this show. And you know, this wasn't a show that was on the air before you guys got on it. You were season one. You were right there on the ground floor. Uh, tell me, Peter, where were you in your career when you got the call for this show, and why did you decide to do it? Well, I was twenty-one and old. I was uh, ranked, I think, third by the uh, NA, NABO, uh, one of those uh, divisions. 
I, I don't remember. It was a while ago, but um, I, I just won an NABO title, junior middleweight title. I just defended it uh, against Anthony Bonsante, who was also on the show in a 12-round uh, decision in Providence. I beat him. Um, so my career was moving along. I was probably in, in the, I don't know, I would say in the top 10 um, in the 154-pound division. Um, and then I got a call one day from local boxing legend Vinny Pazienza saying that they're doing this reality show uh, called The Contender, um, you know, and, and you know, they're going to pick, you know, 16 guys to be on the show and, you know, it can make your career and the, and the prize is a million dollars. At the time, I'm struggling, you know, I'm not making any money, you know, a million dollars, that's all I can think of. So uh, that's all I needed to hear. And I said, Where, where's the tryouts? You know, and I guess they had tryouts in Brockton. Um, I don't remember when, but he gave me the date and I made sure I was, I showed up, you know, and I went to the tryouts and that was the first step, you know, and obviously it was a couple more steps after that, but that was the first step. Sergio, what about you? Where were you in your life and your career at that point? I was uh, 11 and 0 as a professional, unsigned, uh, no promoter, no manager. And I was, a, I was going to get my first big break to fight on NBC, which is where the contender aired. I was going to fight another undefeated fighter, uh, Les Ralston. So it was a battle of undefeated fighters. And when I was doing the interview there on NBC, they, they talked about the show. I never had heard of it. Then the following, the following, I don't know, a couple of weeks later, I went sparring in San Diego and a sparring partner told me that they were holding the uh, auditions uh, somewhere in La Brea and that he was going to go. And I'm like, well, I heard of the contender. And I kept hearing about it here and there. And finally, Fernando Vargas, his uh, manager at the time, Rolando Arellano, I was uh, one of Fernando Vargas' sparring partners at the time. He's the one that, that you know, grouped us all together and uh, without waiting online, he said, no, we're gonna go straight to the front of the line uh, and then you can go take it from there. And I sparred a couple guys and I did a couple interviews and I made it to the next stage. Peter, did you know anything about Sergio coming into this competition? Well, we, we, we were partners in the amateurs. I mean, well, we fought in the amateurs. He beat me in the amateurs, too. So he's like 3-0 on me, you know. Uh, but, oh, believe uh, me. He's, he's told me that. He's told me that over the last year or so. Yeah, but that's all, that's all I knew because I had over 100 amateur fights. So I fought a bunch of different, you know, opponents and guys. So I don't remember who you fight, you know, especially in the amateurs. only three rounds. So, um, but, you know, all in all, three rounds, five rounds, ten rounds, he won at the end of the day so uh no i, I remember much Peter, I, I remember you in the amateurs clearly i remember you clearly in the amateurs you used to wear no shirt and a gold chain and you used to walk <laughs> around with no shirt and a gold chain remember that well i probably had had to take my everything off no shirt no, no pants i always had trouble making weight i'm italian i love to eat so i always had a problem nah, always, yeah, always, always the better yeah swag even back then that's for sure <laughs> Well, Sergio, do you remember that me. amateur fight? Yeah, I remember it. It was in the quarterfinals of the National Golden Gloves. Uh, it was in, I think, Mississippi. And we, uh, it was a close fight. I mean, that he, Peter used to box and move and, and use his jab. And, you know, I always say that when Peter boxes behind the jab, like he did in our rematch, I mean, he's difficult to beat. He's difficult to hit. He's just a, a way better boxer. So in the amateurs, he was a mover. Early in his pro career, a mover, and he gave me a lot of trouble. It was a close fight, very close fight. Peter, when um, 
when you get into a competition like this, the boxing stuff is obviously familiar, but it's a reality TV show. What was it like for you to have cameras surrounding you for a couple of months, really? I mean, the cameras didn't bother me so much. I think it was, uh, it was like you said, with the reality TV show, everything was, was focused on uh, what they wanted you to do instead of what you were comfortable doing. You know, I had to wait, you know, to go for a run to make weight. I had to to live with guys I'm going to fight. I couldn't watch video on guys I was going to fight. I couldn't train without these guys training with me and watching me. And uh, that was very difficult. And now I'm fighting 10, 12 rounds. Now I'm only fighting five rounds. So you don't even have a chance to really warm up. You know, you just you go right out there and you fight. Um so it was a it was a totally different experience, and I think after losing the first fight and coming back, and once I started winning and I get my confidence, as the show went on, I I got more confidence and I got better. You know, mm-hmm. I adjusted. Sergio, but it was, but it was a, go ahead, no, Peter. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, but, but no, I was just describing it. But as the show went on, I got better. But it was still it was very tough. You know, taking a twelve round fight and bringing him back down to. The five rounds and, 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 you know, fighters that you don't know. and But they were all, they were all good fighters, you know. I, I take my hats off to, to all of them. Sergio, describe the kind of living conditions, you know, for you guys and how you adjusted to that. I loved it. <laughs> guys like me and Alfonso and Miguel Espino. I mean, I, I was sleeping on a, on a sofa in a one-bedroom apartment in my mom's apartment. So when they gave me my own bed, my own room, and all the food you can eat, and barbers, and they will take us on, on in limos and private jets, man, I loved it. I couldn't get enough of it. Now, did you have to adjust to actually fighting? Yes, but I actually loved that too. I didn't mind being away from my trainer and my camp and my stinky gym. I had the best equipment. I, I had everything I needed except my trainer. And it didn't really matter, man. I, I just, I was, I was happy for the opportunity. I trained hard. I wasn't the favorite to win, so all eyes weren't on me. They were on Ishe Smith and Peter Manfredo. So it was, it was actually a win-win for me. I loved it. Peter, did you come in feeling like the favorite? I mean, you were the one of the more accomplished guys at that point with that group. Yeah, but I never, I never had that cocky confidence where I was, you know, I thought I was going to blow everybody away and win. I never had that. You know, I always uh, – was very humble, just like I am today. You know, you go into every fight, anybody can win at any, any given time, you know? So I always felt that, but I, you know, I always feel confident going in the ring that I can win, especially being an undefeated fighter. Um, it's another thing too I wanted to touch on, what Sergio said, he felt, he said he felt comfortable. I mean, him, Miguel Espino and Alfonso Gomez, the three names he, he, he mentioned, it, they were, it's all in their backyard. You know, so of course they were going to feel comfortable. Now, if, if the show yeah. was in Rhode Island, I would feel comfortable, <laughs> you know, because it's my restaurants I like to eat, the places I know, the people I know, you know, it's, it's so, of course they felt comfortable. They were in their backyard. Now, for me, a yard, three hours difference, I'm going to, uh, a state I never been, you know, I'm fighting guys that I've never known or never seen or never fought. Um, you know, so they had, they had more to do than I did. They had more people behind them than I had. I, I had nothing, you know, so I could see why they felt comfortable, but I didn't, I wasn't comfortable at all, but I started Sergio, too as I started winning. Yeah. Sergio, did you, I mean, it was in your backyard. Did Did you feel like you had a kind of a home field advantage? The show was in Pasadena. If you call that my backyard, you don't know nothing <laughs> it's about California. LA. It's I'm California. from East LA. I'm from East LA, Chris. Come on, man. But anyway, it was near. 
uh, where, where I grew up. And uh, yeah, that has a lot to do with it, man. I mean, uh, you're familiar with the area. Um, I would I would have hated fighting in cold weather. I, I, I hate training in the cold and snow and, and sleet weather like that word that you use to describe ice and I hate that weather. So having to run and do all that and, and being in that weather, that would have threw me off too. So yeah, man, I, I could see why it threw Peter off as well. Yeah, Peter yeah, no, when no, no, Chris, I'm not making now I'm not believe me, I'm not making excuses or nothing. I'm just telling you that's what it was. You know what I mean? It was different. That's all. But he, no, he won and, that, and that's it. Yeah. Um Peter, when around the time this this shot and aired was you know, immediately after, a year or so after, Mickey Ward and Arturo Gatti and, and you know, that the, the pride of Lowell, the Northeast guy. Was there any attempt to kind of frame you as that type of guy, as a Mickey Ward type? Uh, I, I don't think so. I don't know. Uh, like I said, I was always a humble guy. I think Vinny Paz was the big name in Rhode Island. He always was um, before me. And then before now, – now you've got Demetrius Andre. He's probably one of the most talented fighters to ever come out of the area. Um, so uh, – when I was on the show, I was just trying to make a name for myself. And that's what I try to teach my kids. You know, don't try to be like anybody else. Be yourself, but be better than you was yesterday. Try to be better than yourself yesterday. So that's my that's my uh, advice to my kids and my advice to everybody, my, my fans, my friends. Just try to be better than you was the day before. You know, try to be the best Peter Manfredo you could be or the best uh, Sergio Moro you could be. You know, don't try to be like anybody else. Be yourself. Sergio, did the... You know, when you get into the ring, I mean, it's a professional fight. Like, you're, it's the same as any other pro fight. Did, did it feel the same when you got in those contender rings? I mean, or was there an adjustment you had to make? No, they weren't. They didn't feel the same. First of all, it was a tiny ring. Uh, it was the smallest possible ring you could have in California. I think it's probably 16 and a half feet or 17 feet, but it was tiny. And it was, uh, it was, a, everything was different. Um, the, the people in the state, like people in the state and the stands and the stages, yes, you have five family members, but it was all a production. It was, it was kind of like a quarantine type fight. Um, that felt different and it, and it made you, it made you fight harder, faster because it was only five rounds. So you couldn't go out there and fill out your opponent with a jab. It was straight to fighting. So, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a brawler. I'm a boxer type guy and I need the ring to move. That first fight was tough with Najee Turpin because of it, but I'm glad that it happened now because if I would have fought, say, Ishe Smith or Peter Manfredo or Jesse Brinkley in that first fight where I was still adjusting, I think, I don't know, man, it would have been tough for me to win that fight. I'm being dead honest there, uh, because, because of that adjustment. Peter, what was the boxing like for you it, it, as an adjustment? It was just tough. All in all, tough. Like he, like he pointed to. I, 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 I can't not agree with him 100%. It was just totally different. Uh, I just, like I said, like I pointed out earlier, it was just more, it was tougher for me, a guy like me who's in a different state, you know, away from my family. Like he said, you can have about four or five family members in. When I first got there, I was told there was nobody that could be there. So I didn't have anybody there for me besides my wife and my daughter. You know, but uh, Alfonso had his father, he had his mother, he had other people in the stands cheering for him. So he probably felt a lot more comfortable than I did. And, uh, and I'm sure Sergio had the same thing. His mom was there, his brothers were there. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I didn't have yep. any of that. You know, I'm, like I said, I'm in California. They're not going to come way up and spend their own money. Who can afford it? Especially back then, you know. So it was it was different. You know, it was different for me. It was it was tougher for me than it might have been for Sergio. I don't want to say that it wasn't tough for him too, but I believe that it was tougher for a guy like me that comes from the East Coast 
to, to come to the West Coast and, and really have no advantages. You know, he he had more advantages than I had. Peter, when you're in a house like this on reality TV, I mean, they want some kind of conflict there. It sells, you know, drives ratings. Were there, was there any guys that you didn't really get along with in that house? Not really. I think I think we started getting a little ticked off with Ishe Smith. I think a lot of guys did, you know, because, uh, you know, he just was cocky. Everybody was a bump to him. No one was as good as him. Uh, he started writing his name on fruits and, and things. I mean, everything was free. Yeah, everybody, yeah, you know, you could take whatever you want out of the fridge and this and that, and then they were just going to replenish it and restock it. So it didn't matter. But, you know, he wanted his own stuff. He made it personal. He just – he thought he was better than everybody. So after a while, I just started irritating a lot of people. But but all in all, I mean, I I just wanted – like like Sergio, we all wanted to win at the end of the day, you know. So we all do what we had to do to win. Um, Sergio, so what, that you, what, was your, what was your reaction – your interactions like with the other fighters? Ishe Smith was definitely the, uh, the, the heel, the bad guy. He was like the Omarosa in The Apprentice. That's who Ishe Smith was. He wanted to create that, but he wanted that. He wanted that. He wanted to be the bad guy. Him and Ahmed Kadur, I would say, were were the bad guys. But they were great characters. I was right. more on on uh, with with Peter. I wanted to be, you know, on the on the lowdown. I didn't want people to know much about me. I wanted to train. I wanted to just to to stay low and low. They wanted the attention, uh, both them guys, and let them have it. I just was there to win. What about the two of you, Peter? You, you and Sergio. I mean, how close did you get before you know before it ended? Before you got into the ring that first time? We never got close. We never got close. Uh, yeah. But only because we never really talked and had a conversation. He was quiet. I was quiet. Like like he just said. He pointed yeah. to it. He was. I just kept my mouth shut. I wanted to win, and that's kind of the same thing I did. I don't want to start drama. I didn't care about the TV. I didn't care about all that. I just wanted to win like he did. Um, um, and I and I felt confident that I could win, you know, in the final. I'm sure he he knew, felt he was going to win, and at the end of the day, he won. You know, the better man won when it, when he should have. So, congrats to him. He's the champ, and uh, I take my hats off to him. And now we're friends. Sergio, I I can't see you being the quiet guy. I just I can't envision that. <laughs> you should have known me back then, Mannix. I was a lot more humbler. I was broke as a joke. <laughs> I didn't think I was as good as I am. Oh, man, that guy was great. This guy, I don't know what turned into me. No, man, uh, I'm, I'm still the same person. It was just it was just like if I were to be put in that in that type of situation, that type of environment, I'll have the same strategy. I'll just stay quiet and aim for the prize, man. I mean, some guys wanted that. They were, they were thrilled to be there. They wanted to act out in front of the cameras. They wanted to speak louder. They wanted to punch harder when they were training. They wanted the attention. Some guys are just naturally, you know, are built that way. They, they want more for me, me, me. And guys like me, Peter Alfonso, Miguel Espino, uh, Najee Turpin, there was a lot of guys that were just you know, bad boys move in silence and violence, and we were just in the corner training while other guys were acting a fool. I want to ask both of you this. Um, you know, when, when it when it turned out, when it was set up that you guys were going to meet in the final, Peter, how did you feel? How confident did you feel going into that fight against Sergio? I felt very confident. I thought I could win, you know, just like I said earlier. You know, I thought I was going to win the fight. Um, and uh, But I didn't. You know, he the better man won that night, you know. Um, I, th I thought I settled the score six months later in the rematch, but it doesn't matter. He won when it was time to win, you know? 
<laughs> he he won when it was time to win. It, does, it doesn't even matter about the rematch. He won. He won when he was supposed to win. He won the million dollars. He was contender champion. So I had to. Sergio, you had Sergio, you had faced Peter obviously in the amateurs. You'd watched him throughout that tournament. I mean, uh, how confident were you going into that fight? I, I was extremely confident because I had a great camp. I prepared. I was hungry. You know, I mean, the advantages that me and Peter had were we were watching the show every week. And it culminated to our finale. So every week, as soon as it ended, I went straight to the gym. I had that week in my in my motivational in my mind, and I would just train it. And we knew that million dollars was at at stake here. So I mean, the motivation was there for both of us. I mean, we both felt we were gonna win the fight. I didn't think Peter was gonna be as aggressive as he as he was. He came right at me. I thought he was gonna want to move and stick and box, and that surprised me. That threw me for a loop in the first round. I gotta say. Uh, I thought he was going to be more of the boxer that that I uh, fought in the amateurs and that I know that's the fighter that that I would struggle with. That's the fight that I struggled that's the fighter that I struggled with in that rematch where you know a lot of people felt that Peter did win and hey listen man it could have gone either way but he boxed that fight and that's the Peter Manfredo that gave me trouble in the amateurs and that gave me trouble in the rematch the boxer Peter, what was behind yeah. the what was behind the strategy Peter in that first <laughs> fight? Were you more aggressive on purpose? Did you think that was the best way to go? No, that's just that's why I really don't have a relationship with my dad right now. But uh, we don't get along. But uh, it's sad. But we that's he trained me. That's how he he trains me. And I fought Saki Obika saying that every time my father trained me, he trained me to go forward, go forward, go forward, be the aggressive, be the aggressive, throw more punches. Same thing in the images with 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 Mora. Go forward, go forward, go forward. That's not my style. I'm a boxer. You know, I'm a natural boxer. I know more than he does about the game. I. I I've had over 40 something fights, you know, so I know the game. Um, and, uh, you know, you listen to him, you do what he wants, you get beat up, you lose, and it's your fault. You know, get out of my gym, you're a bum, yeah, you make me look bad, you know, so it just, it kind of culminated as in losing a relationship with him, but it is what it is. Um, you know, you live and learn. You live and learn. Like like I said, six six months later, I fought him in a rematch. It was a total different Peter Manfredo, if you notice. Now, Freddie Rose didn't turn me into a different fighter in six months. You know, he was just an escape goat. I had to, I had to get out of my father's gym. He called me a lose. He called me this. He called me that. I said, okay, bye-bye. I went to California. I called Freddie Rose. I said, you mind training me? You know, I went to that gym, you know, and he and he got me prepared. He got me in shape. He got me sharp. He got me boxing. Like, like I, I was myself. You know, he didn't teach me how to fight. He let me do my thing and just sharpen up my tools. And that's all I really needed, you know. Um, and the same thing with, with, with Saki Obika, Sergio. When I fought Saki Obika, I tried to fight him. Like, I fought you the first fight. And he, he was so big no and strong, he almost, he almost killed me. You know what I mean? It was like, but if I boxed him, I might have had a shot. I might have. But he's too scary. I don't, I don't want to fight him again. Yeah, I went back and, and rewatched the the whole uh, last episode and then the fight, main fight itself. You guys both looked amped going to the ring. I mean, Peter, I think you hugged everybody along ringside on the way out. Did you hug James Kahn? Was James Kahn there? And you, did I you hug him James on the way out? That's Sonny from The Godfather. How can you not hug James Kahn? <laughs> My favorite movie, The Godfather. I see him right there. It's so funny. You know, I, it was awesome. So I felt like I was living in a movie. It was great. I didn't it, even it was, get, it was, I didn't it was funny. I'm watching, I'm watching you go around and, you know, everybody's kind of dapping you up. Then all of a sudden, because you're watching on YouTube and you can't really tell who it is 
ringside. I'm like, is that James Caan? Did he just hug James Caan? Oh, it, it was like, yeah. It was the best. It was the best. I wish I could take him to dinner. Hey, listen, I don't even, I, you know, it's, it's crazy. Hey, listen, I, I, was a, I was a big Hulk Hogan fan, and he was there in the audience. Yeah, that's right. I was focused on winning the fight. I don't give a shit about Hulk Hogan right now. Maybe afterwards. So, yeah, man, I think, I think Peter, uh, he was absorbing the moment, man, and he, he loved it. And, yeah, man, if you're going to see James Conn, you know, give him a nice little Italian hug. Not me, man. I went straight to the ring. I'm like, forget everybody. Sergio was prepared that night. He was top. He was prepared. He 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 deserved to win. He he was just right on the money that night. Just like you said, he had a great a great training camp. He was prepared. He was ready. See, I didn't have a great a great training camp. You know, I felt stale. I wasn't looking good in spawn. I wasn't looking good in the gym. Um, I I felt I was overtrained because if you if you remember, Sergio, the the final was supposed to be I think in March or something, and then it got moved. So I started training in January, losing the weight, and I never stopped training, even though it got moved. So I, I oh, think I trained yeah. a little too long. I think I trained a little too long, but like I said, I can't make excuses. My father trained me for the fight. I'm not that type of fighter. I'm better when I box. And uh, Sergio picked me apart that night. He almost, he could have stopped me that night. I, I had nothing left towards the end of the round. I think he staggered me a little bit in the end of the round. I had no legs. I had nothing left. You know, so... Um, you know, I, my hat my hat goes off to him. He he deserved to win. He was he was the man that night. He was sharp. He was uh I think I think before the, the fight they they um they asked me, they said, What are you gonna do? I said, I gotta knock him out. I'm gonna knock him out. I said, because that's the only shot I had to win the fight. I, like I said, I wasn't looking sharp in the gym. I wasn't feeling that good. Um the only thing I could do was knock this kid out to win the fight. And, you know, obviously you can't even hit the guy, so it was hard to hit him and hard to catch him. I couldn't knock him out. And uh, he all boxed me and he all pointed me, he all classed me. So, contender champion season one, Sergio Mora. <laughs> Sergio, they're, um, they're, you, the, the angle with your mother the entire time, like you, when you walk to the ring that night, you hear Joe Antonacci say, you know, here to fight to make sure his mom never works a day in her life again, or ever has to work again. Like how much did they want you to play that up, to make that? Because she was the one person you acknowledged on your way by ringside, and of course, right after you hop out of the ring and go give her a hug, they wanted to play. They wanted to attach something to my story because I I didn't have no kids, and I didn't have a wife, and I didn't have anything. So they couldn't really build a story around me. Uh, everyone else had a story, so they just basically built the father. The, I mean, I'm sorry, the mother uh, son relationship. And she was the uh, the main person in my life, and you know, at that point. I was living in a one bedroom apartment with my three brothers and my single mom. And they really pulled the, 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 the emotional strings. Like, you're not going to make me cry, Chris, but I, you know, like the, the interviewer on the contender, he really pulled my strings and he really said, well, wait a minute, your mom's alone. You guys live in a one bedroom apartment. She, she's 60 years old. She works in a warehouse. I'm like, yeah. And little by little, but yeah, man, one, once you had the opportunity, to, to fight in front of all those people. You made it to the finale, a million dollars, one more fight, changes your life. Yeah, man, it's hard not to be motivated by that. It was for my mother. It was for my mother. It was for myself. It was for, for, for the struggle, man, for everything. It, it was real. I did love Sergio, like vintage Sergio in the ring where I think it was one of the later rounds. You had a cut over your eye and blood on your glove and you lick the blood off your glove, you disgusting, disgusting person. You got the disgusting part. You would never do anything <laughs> like that because one, you never got in a fight. Two, you're scared of blood. And three, you're a wimp. But let's not get into that. Come on, man. 
<laughs> I mean, why'd you do it? Because I saw Hulk Hogan there. I thought about the theatrics. <laughs> what would Hulk Hogan do if his face was bloodied and he would say what the hopes are? And, come on, stop. I don't know why I did it. I just did it. Peter, why'd you, did you notice that when you did it in real time? Yes. I was, like I said, I was so out of it. Like I said, he, he, he could have stopped me that night. I had nothing left. You know, I was, I was so tired. So uh, I think, I think the adrenaline had a lot to do with it too. And in the conference, he, he, I think he knew he was, he was winning the fight. He knew it was up and uh, the conference came and the adrenaline came and he says, you know, fuck it. You, you cut me in the head. You cut me and who cares? I'll lick this and still beat you up. So I think that's, you know, that's what he was saying. So, and, and, and it, was, that's what it, was. it was the adrenaline, man. It, it was, it was racing. It, you know, the crowd was live. There was only 5,000 people there, but it felt like, you know, 15,000. 15, uh, yeah, it, it was the adrenaline. Yeah, that's what it yeah. was. Blame the adrenaline, Chris. <laughs> Sergio, you get the win and the million dollar prize. I mean, how did that change your life? Well, uh, I was expecting a big check like they do in the movies. You know, I was expecting to take pictures. <laughs> it was two personal checks by Mark Burnett and he messed up one of them and he signed it out. And it was just not what, what was expected. Joe Cortez came into my room and the commission and Mark Raffet, I think, and they gave me the checks and they were just two silly checks. And I don't know, it was the mood wasn't as, as much as I thought, but as soon as I cashed it, I was smiling. So you wanted you wanted those checks that like Ed McMahon would show up with for Publishers Clearinghouse, like a big ass check that you could bring home. I wanted the picture, and I want to be smiling and be like, "Yeah, I got two little measly personal checks, one for seven fifty, the other one for two fifty. But hey, they they cleared, they cashed. I'm fine with that. Hey, you know what's funny, Chris? Before the contender, I had insufficient funds, so I like to say it's it's great, man. I mean, it went from insufficient funds to. You know, 900,000, 999,000, and they took away the dollar 75 that I owed the bank. <laughs> Peter, what did, what did you walk away with there? I got a quarter, 250. Mm -hmm. 250,000. Not bad. So, I mean, no, not most I ever made in my life. So that was great for me. You know, and, and he was said he was in a palm, and I, I actually bought an investment property at the time, and I was living in, it was a four. It was a one family house chopped into four units. So I was, me and my wife and my daughter, we were living in one of the units in the four. So uh, it, it was good. You know, I, I bought the guy who taught me about investment properties. I bought him a, a custom made Holly. You know, I, I spent a lot of money. I, my, my, my father got 10%, my manager got 10%. Uh, you know, I, I was just, you know, paying everybody what I owed them and whatever I ended up with, I ended up with. Sergio, but it wasn't when, a million. when it ended, yeah, exactly. Sergio, when it ended, I mean, how did that change your visibility? I mean, how, what did you go, like, what, what did that do for you in terms of being recognized? Uh, it was over, it was overnight. It's uh, the power of television because uh, I won the show on a Tuesday. And then the very next day, they flew me to New York to be on Regis and Kelly Philbin. So I was, I was on, on a talk show two days later. And then from there, I, I, I was walking around New York. People were recognizing me and taking pictures. Then I flew, flew back to Las Vegas. And yeah, man, I mean, getting closer to, you know, where, where it happened, everyone knew me there. So I, I spent a week in Vegas and it was, I got a good taste of what it was like to be, you know, famous for a while. And yeah, it feels great and all, but you still got to, you know, go out and fight. And I, I indulged, put it that way.
<laughs> Peter, what, what did it do for you? I mean, obviously, people have been watching you for months every single week. How did that change your life? Oh, it definitely changed. I mean, you know, I knew I was a household name. And no matter, no matter where I went, people knew who I was. Even still to this day, ain't you Peter Mirafredo from the contender? No matter where I go, you know, I went to Disney with my family. People recognize me in Disney. My wife just keeps walking now. She just keeps, she, she can't take it anymore. She's like, you got to stop for everybody? <laughs> I'm like, yes, honey, I do. Uh, but, you know, uh, it changed. But I, I, this is the best decision, one of, one of the best decisions I made. The best decision is obviously my wife. But that was uh, that was one of the best decisions I made was to get on that show. It made me who I am today. You know, uh, people got to see 16 people and who they really are because it wasn't scripted. The show wasn't scripted. What you see is what you got. And people got to fall in love with the real Peter Manfredo, just like they got to fall in love with the real Sergio Mora and everybody else. Uh, you get what you see on that show, and, and that's what it was. So when people, when I see people and um, uh, or meet people on an everyday basis, they they're like, wow, I can't believe you. You're just the same person I I used to watch, and you're just like that, you know. And I'm I'm like, yeah, that's how it was. So uh, you know, best decision I made. One of them, Sergio. It's funny. It's funny, Sergio, that like when you think of the contender, it had multiple seasons. I mean, five seasons. Now it's playing on Epics, um, but. You two really are the most recognizable faces from it. I mean, maybe it's because more people watch those or you're just, they, they followed your careers. But when you think of the contender, I mean, and I'm, I was a viewer. Like that was, that was me. I was watching. I only think, I don't really think of Grady Brewer or any of the guys that won subsequently or fought subsequently. I think of you two. Why do you think that is? And I know who you're, you know, rooting for considering you're from Boston yeah. and in New England. Yes. You're all Peter Manfredo. I'm sorry to break your dreams, Chris, but uh, no, man, it was it was it was great to be a part of that, and and yeah, it's it's overnight success, it really is, and and to this day, I still get recognized, especially when you go to boxing events, and um, it, it feels nice, man. It feels it feels like you you did something, you accomplished something, because if people ask me what was what was more in my career, uh, winning the contender or winning uh, the world title. And it's winning the contender for that reason, because it's the first taste of success that guys like me and Peter got. It's the first taste of people appreciating us for what we did and, and you know, putting us at, at the A level, paying us good money, flying us first class, putting us in, in, in the top notch hotels. That's the first taste of success. So, you know, it, it's always great, man, when you get that first taste of success and people appreciate you for it in the long run. Yeah, I mean, what, 12 million people watched that fight? That's more than yeah. any boxers get nowadays, exponentially more than any boxers get nowadays. So the exposure was huge. Um, Peter, when the fight ended, did you think there'd be a rematch? No, I was, I cried, I pissed blood. It was just a bad, bad uh, experience for me. The whole, even leading up to the, like I told you earlier, I said I, I needed to knock this kid out to win because that's how I wasn't looking that good in the gym, you know, and I, I wasn't sharp. I wasn't myself. And um, I said, if, if I got to win this fight, I got to knock him out. But obviously it didn't happen. He outboxed me, he outschooled me, and I, I didn't, I cried. Uh, I was sad. I, I think after the fight, I, I put my head down on the ropes. I sat on the ropes, and I was so embarrassed. I didn't even want to get up, you know. I, I didn't want to look at anybody. I just felt like a big failure. And at the post press conference, Sergio, I don't know if you remember, I um, I started, I broke out crying at the post press conference. One, uh, my my cut man at the time, Albi Sacramone, he passed away uh, a little bit before the finale. 
you know, and I really took that hard because I told him, you know, don't worry, I'll be, I'm going to win this for you, you know, and obviously I didn't accomplish that, but um, it was just a big emotional roller coaster for me at the end. And uh, I didn't even want to go out of my house uh, when I got home for a while, you know, because I was just too embarrassed to walk the streets and, and everything else, you know, but, you know, life goes on, you know, and uh, like I said, I ended up going to California and uh, training with Roach and I got a, a rematch six months later and you've seen a different Peter Manfredo. So Sergio, how does the rematch happen? Well, the rematch, uh, I knew... Uh, I knew it was coming uh, maybe a couple of weeks after the finale. He said, you might have a rematch. Sylvester Stallone really is pushing for a rematch. It might happen at the Staples Center because they want to sell, you know, the L.A. crowd and bring out, you know, my fan base. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. And I was doing a lot of appearances. Me and Sugar Ray Leonard were traveling around the country. I was being invited to a lot of parties, the Playboy Mansion more than once. Uh, you know, I was hanging out in Hollywood. So I was celebrating, man. I was really indulging. And then finally, when uh, we got the rematch set and said, hey, you're going to be fighting them October something. You have uh, three months to prepare. I'm like, I'm just going to need six weeks for that fight. So I kept celebrating. I kept enjoying myself. Kept, you know, kept kept doing my thing. I trained hard for six weeks, but he came more prepared in that second fight. I took him for granted. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, he almost beat me. It was a split decision. The majority of people that saw it felt that Peter won. And I'll be honest with you. I'll be dead honest with you. I felt that I won the fight, but watching it on video, I'm like, ooh, that was close. You know, Peter could have easily won that fight. Peter, how sure were you that you won that fight? I was very sure. Oh, I, sure. I, I don't believe it. Yeah, you know, sure. I, I was definitely sure. I, when they when they announced the decision, I, I I almost you know I just turned. I I, I couldn't believe it. It was just, but it, you know it is what it is. What are you gonna do? You know his his career went on. He had a great career. My career went on. I had a great career. So I you know I'm not stale about it. It is what it is. Uh, that's that's life in general. You get ups and downs in life. You know, um, but like I said, we're friends now. It, it is what it is. You know, maybe we could do a third one. Well, yes. I mean, that's certainly mm -hmm. worth talking nice segue. about there, Sergio. Not Sergio nice segue and I have my, my promoter, this. Chris Mannix. We have discussed this a lot over the last <laughs> year or so. Uh, Sergio wants to get one more professional fight in. Peter, I know you've been active recently uh, getting back uh, into the ring before this pandemic shut everything down. Um you can argue, Sergio, that it is kind of 1-1. One, one. It's like Canelo Golovkin. You know, people thought, yeah. you know, Peter won the second fight. So what do you think? Should we get a third fight between Sergio Mora and Peter Manfredo? And what weight would that fight be at? Man, my legs quivered right now when you said a third fight. Um, listen, I wanted one more fight just to have a farewell fight. And then time started going by. And then I won my last fight versus Perro. So I said, Perro Angulo, I said, all right, one more fight, call it a day. Then I got this gig and then time started passing. I had kids. I'm like, oh, forget about it. I'm not really interested in a third fight. But since you're so much, so adamant about this third fight, you and your New England pride, the only way I would come back is if we fight Peter Manfredo and I, in Providence, Rhode Island, on the undercard of Demetrius Andrade, and we get paid for it, right, Peter? Sounds great to me. But we'll wait. That's the only way I'll do it. If if everything but, gets but on, we'll, we'll wait because I can't make one sixty no more. <laughs> I'm too fat. 
<laughs> that's the only, that's the only way I'll do it. If it's his, his home court, his weight, his everything. That's the only oh, way I'll do it. That's perfect. That's perfect. So Sergio, you're going to fight at 175? Uh, one, 171. <laughs> the guy will have perfect. a problem is the weight. <laughs> <laughs> Either agrees to 171, Dunkin' sure. Donuts Center, perhaps, Providence, Rhode Island. Peter, how, how often have you thought about potentially a third fight with Sergio? When, you were, when your career was going on, did you think that you might meet again? No. I didn't think we were because I, no. I, I went up on weight, and he was uh, he, he went down to 154 and won a world. He beat Vernon Forrest, won the WBC. So his career was was moving in a different direction than mine was. My, I was going up. I was fighting guys like uh, Joe Calzaghe, one of the best super middleweights ever. Um, yep. You know, and, and my career was going in a different direction than his was. So I never thought we'd meet again for the third fight, you know. But, but now, since you said it, let's do it. And I, and I, think I like so. I, th I think we'd sell, Sergio. We would. Go get us paid, Chris Mannix. You're gonna you, you, you pretend to be a promoter. Go get that money for us. I I go. just see an opportunity. I see an opportunity where it is. And you're right, Sergio. We've talked about this. Demetrius Andre, when he fought in Providence this past June, did a pretty good crowd. But if you two wind up on the undercard some 15 years after the contender fighting for a third time in what you can kind of call a rubber match, sign me up, man. I think you, I think Peter's right. I think you'd sell a lot of tickets for an event like that. Oh, absolutely. Peter on his own. I want to go watch him fight at the Duncan Center versus uh, Scotty Pemberton. Peter alone packed over 10,000 people there. Absolutely. That fight makes sense. A rubber match makes sense. But you know what else makes sense? Dollars. Show me the money, Chris Mannix. Peter, this is what I have to deal with. Like he, he constantly talks about money every single time it comes up. He compares himself to Jesse Vargas every single time we talk. Uh, the guy wants to get paid. He's a Hollywood star. He's a champion, world, former world champion. So he wants to get paid just like I want to get paid. We don't fight for free, but I probably don't want to get paid as much as him. <laughs> well, I think it would but be he deserves so a lot more. Go ahead, Sergio. I said, don't sell yourself. Don't sell. Don't give up the price. The money's on the table right now, Peter. Chris Mannix is going to get us paid right now. So sh right now, just let, let him do his work. We're going to be that's all right. Rubber match coming that's, soon. Wanna, that's, that's why he's my older brother. See, he's slapping me around right now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, guys, well, 15 years. Time sure flies. Uh, you know, congratulations. You guys have had a lot of success as professionals. Been in some big fights. I hope we get one more, uh, maybe a farewell fight for both of you to settle the score. More of Manfredo, contender one. It sells itself, baby. I agree. All right, Peter. Good seeing you, champ. And Chris Maddox, too, my man. we'll see you next week. Um, love you guys. Yeah, God bless you and your daughter and your new family, buddy. Proud of you. Like I told hey, you before, you. Really thank you. very proud of you. All right, that's it for this week's episode. My thanks to my guests. As always, subscribe to the podcast over at Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, you know I appreciate it. And I'll see you next week. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.